This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. And today I have a really special guest. Rachel is with me. Rachel Hind. Hi, Rachel. Hello, Annie. You are waking up so bright and early for this podcast from all the way across the globe. Thanks for being up uh, at 5.30 to do this. And you look so fresh for 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> well, um, like what I said, I think one of the benefits of uh, not drinking is that you do wake up quite early. So, um, yeah, this was not a problem getting up at this time. I'm super excited uh, to be a guest on your podcast. Oh, that's great. That's so cool. So why don't you, you know, walk us sort of all the way back to the beginning for you, like in your drinking life, where did it all, what did it all start? What, what did that look like? Yeah, well, um, yeah, let's go back and look at my story. Um, like I would have said, I've listened to a lot of your podcast and, and, and I relate to a lot of it, but a lot of it, a lot of people started back in, uh, you know, uni or, sort of earlier times in their uh, teenage years. Whereas me, I, I sort of didn't really start until my 20s or 30s, sort of 20s, late 20s, 30s, where I was, I just finished uni, I had qualified as a um, lawyer and accountant and had started working in banking and finance. So it was the times pre-GFC <laughs> when um, it was the times of, expense cards. Um, it was the times of you celebrated success with the client by going out with the client. Um, you celebrated winning a deal by going out drinking. It was just part of the culture. Yeah. Um, part of the banking culture. I think similar to your story, Annie. Um, much, yeah. It, yeah, it was, you know, I was working for an investment bank at the time and it was just it was a work hard, play hard attitude. <laughs> um, so that's when it really started. And it was, you know, long hours, stressful long hours, uh, followed by booze-fueled events, really. And, and it was very much part of the culture. So that's sort of where it started. Is, so I would say probably late 20s, early 30s. And, and I don't think it started off as a problem. It was fun. It was social use. I was enjoying it. I was having a great time. So uh, there was no way I would have associated myself with having a drinking problem. Um, when it really started is when I had children. And, and when I saw the drinking was turning from the events, the work events, to to habitual drinking at home. So I think, again, similar to your story, Annie, I, I saw it start to leak over. And, you know, from the research I know now, it's because I was getting hooked on, the, hooked on having alcohol. So I was, I was having it probably one to two nights with work events. And then, you know, the other nights when I wasn't at work events, I was drinking at home. So it turned to habitual drinking at um, both at work and at home. And then it also, it was a stress of being a working mum. <laughs> um, uh, 
I think it was, you know, as a working mum, you're trying to juggle all those bores and you're, you're trying to juggle all those bores to perfection and, and not get overwhelmed. <laughs> and, and I think I was getting overwhelmed and not really handling the stress and obviously turning to alcohol. So, but I was fully functioning. So I was starting to think, you know, I was drinking too much, but I was what you would be classified as fully functioning. I was still maintaining a good job, still doing well in my job, running, you know, running, running two kids, still doing my exercise, still going to the gym. So, you know, outwardly I was fully functioning. Um, but, but inside I was suffering. So inside I was suffering. I had, I had massive anxiety um, um, and I, as, as I know now, Annie, with your work, you know, that the whole, I'd feel good for, for the night of I was drinking and in the next day and probably the next three to five days, because you, as you've told us in all the research that dynorphine chemical kicked in, which is a lot longer than the kick you get from the, from the dopamine that you get from the alcohol. So I was, my anxiety was, was bad for three to five days after whereas my drinking I was only having fun for you know three to five hours so it was the alcohol was like was like pouring gasoline on my anxiety it was just igniting it um yeah so so and I was probably back then I was probably I wasn't one of these drinkers that was you know a regular drinker I was a binge drinker so the very much I could go days without drinking and then I would drink two bottles of wine a night. You know, the, the nights I was drinking, <laughs> the nights I decided I was drinking, I was drinking two bottles of wine. I was drinking vodka Red Bulls to try and stay up even longer. And it was even often, you know, if I was at, at work events, there was often other recreational drugs um, that were happening. So it was, it was, yeah, it was more the binge rather than the, rather than the consistent drinking for me. Um, and so, so that, like every, you know, how would it be, I guess, just to talk more about that, because I feel like that's something that, you know, a lot of people, um, because it wasn't, you know, exact, my story was consistent drinking. And I feel like yeah. when you're on the, the side of consistent drinking, you can have the story in your head that's like, well, at least I'm not, you know, falling down the stairs. And then when you're binge drinking, you have the story in your head, well, at least I'm not drinking every single night, right? Um, yeah. And really, basically on the same principles, it's just sort of yeah. different mechanisms. But can you give a little more like flavor or information on, you know, how that was for you? Like, it was it every time you would binge, you're like, all right, not again. And then would kind of build up and you'd find yourself back there? Or was it pretty like, okay, I'm going to just binge on the weekends or, you know, how was, how was that um, cycle for you? Um, yeah. And, and the cycle was bad because I think the quantity you drink, so the, the sheer quantity, having two bottles of wine and then followed by vodkas, you know, we'd, like it was, it was, when I'd binge, I'd literally binge so that I wouldn't, didn't want to go to bed. So I didn't want the night to end. So I would, just push on and push on and push on until, like you say, I would be suffering blackouts. I would be, I'd push on often until I would pass out. So it was, 
it was not because I didn't do it regularly. It was that when I decided to do it, it was it was going to be a big event, and and so I think because the high was so high that you know the what I was doing the outcrop was giving myself so much. The low was so low. Um, you know, I was stuck in that cycle of you know alcohol, guilt, anxiety, self-loathing, self-sabotage, repeat. <laughs> you know, like I would have a few days, start to sort of feel better, um, and then it would be the cycle would repeat again. But the, the guilt and the anxiety and the shame, um, self-loathing were, were immense because I think I was taking drinking so much. And then said so that you know the with the high I got the low. Yep, yep, absolutely. So I don't, yeah, like you say, you don't know which one's better. You know, I think they're both, you know, the consistent versus the binge. Yeah, and I don't think, I mean, I think they're both like equally destructive. It's just funny yeah. because one of the many sort of things we tell ourselves is, "I'm not that bad because I'm not in that yeah. boat, or this boat," you know. I knew I was bad because I was always the one, I was always the destructive one to my friends, like the one that would, if I wanted to drink, I would pull everyone else around me to drink <laughs> and to drink to excess. So it was, it, I was being the destructive one. I could see that I was being the destructive one because I wasn't liking myself because of the self-loathing and the self-sabotage. It was, it was self-destruct. Um, yeah, so, so, so I got, you know, I sort of felt like the anxiety was just getting so immense. Um, and then I got, I sort of had a aha moment. I got some blood tests and, you know, like I'm a pretty fit and healthy. I, I considered myself back then a fit and healthy person. I got some blood tests and I had elevated liver enzymes, which was purely as a result of drinking. So I, 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 got the, I got the bad blood test. I had psoriasis, which is a skin inflammation, which is, is very related to stress and often caused by drinking. And I, was, I had very severe psoriasis and had been advised by my doctor that that was related to the stress, um, which was very related to the drinking. <laughs> So um, I had that and, and then it was just my anxiety and I just knew that I had to break this 20-year habit. It had to go. It just had to go because it was really starting to negatively impact my life. My, just my self-love and um, my, you know, just my anxiety, my constant anxiety and I just knew that it was, it was time to go. You know, I think having the health, health results from my doctor, I think the anxiety got so immense and it was just that this has got to stop. <laughs> um, and, and so where did I get support? Um, but, I mean, this was back, this was, I started this back probably four years ago. So there wasn't as much out there as what there is now, but I did the AA and the 12 step and went to go to the step 12 step process. And I really struggled with that in the sense that I, I found it hard to call myself an alcoholic. Um, 
I, I know now I was, I know I was a problem drinker, but I found it hard to label myself an alcoholic. Um, so I tried then where was a big turning point and it was actually interesting. I was listening to Rachel Hart and her story and she said that she found smart recovery and, and I found smart recovery. So that was when I had the big turning point. Um, that smart recovery worked for me because it, it is using CBT's cognitive behavioral technique. And what I see it as is that you intercept your behavior. So you intercept your thoughts and feelings so that you change the outcome. Um, so I, I would get a trigger and then, and then typically I'd then go and justify that trigger and then take action and go and drink. <laughs> but what, what I had to learn to do through, through CBT techniques is have a trigger and then my justification, I had to pause. I had to really pause and think about the consequences before I took the action. Mm -hmm. And I'd never done that. It was always trigger, justification, action, all in a matter of nanoseconds. <laughs> so I'd never paused to think about the consequences of, of me following through on my trigger. Mm -hmm. and, and I think CBT really gave me that ability to pause before I took action and actually think through the consequences of me taking a, a certain action, you know, action of going down the drinking path versus the action of not drinking. That's and great. I always think of that, and I always think of the term push fast forward. So don't think, you know, I, I learned to not think where I am now, to push fast forward to the next day, the next year, the next three years, what of me taking that action now so so that's where smart worked and that's why i find it, it's really good to because it makes you consider your consequences when you're actually in that moment and what what does that process just for people who are like oh that sounds interesting i want to i want to try that out like what does that look like in the moment when you are you know so you you walk in somebody where you're planning not to drink and somebody says, hey, yeah. you have a glass of wine. Like, what does that look like? What do you um, do? So, so I always, ha I always ha justify, and I actually got this from Jack Canfield because I did one of his courses and I really like him and his success principles. You know, I always just, I always think of it in my head and I, and I, and I um, as you know, he uses the equation E plus R equals O. And E equals the event. So the event is always going to be fixed. So, so it, or static. So think of an event saying um, you catch up with your you, you catch up with your friends. You, you walk into a bar, you catch up with your friends. That's always going to happen. That's always going to happen. You can't change the event. You can't change, um, you know, the E. And then the plus R, so the R equals your, your reaction, your um, responsibility, how you react. And how you react to the event will equal, the O equals outcome. So how you will react will equal the outcome, but the event won't change. So mm -hmm. for example, so if I walked into a, my friends are all around drinking at a bar, I can, that's an event, that's not gonna change. I can't change the event. Um, 
how I react. So I could react by sitting there going, oh, I'm feeling really nervous. I want to fit in. I'm going to have a drink. Um, what my outcome could be, it could be most of the times it's going to be negative consequences because I'm going to have the drink and I know I'm going to get the anxiety the next day. I'm going to get the guilt, the shame, the self-loathing. Um, I, I don't sleep well. You know, That's going to be the outcome from me having that drink. Event is just the, the friends in the bar. If I react differently and I react by actually sticking to my values, sticking what I know works for me um, and saying no and knowing what I know now and that I don't need to drink to fit in, I, I just say, no, I'm okay with, I'm, no, I'm okay not having a drink, I'm fine. Um, you know, I'll have a mocktail. The outcome is a positive one because, because um, of that, how, how I reacted, the outcome being, I walk away, I've had a great time with my friends, I've had a great conversation, I've got no anxiety, I'm feeling great, I've stuck to my values, I've stuck to my beliefs. So the outcome is really positive. So you can see how that, that R is how you react is going to impact your outcome. But the event, you can't you can't change the event. The event is, is usually fixed or static. So that's how I that's what I that's and, and, and like I said, the equations borrowed from Jack Canfield, but it really worked for me. Yeah. Remember, that's huge. Remember, I love tools like that. I mean Yeah. It's so all about the things that, you know, just give you the tool in the moment because what you were saying before about just that, that split second to like observe and say, okay, I'm actually going to bring in the part of my brain that can make better longer term decisions and actually consider this. And, and I might consider it and I might end up drinking that, you know, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to um, make this i I'm trying to just force this decision, but I'm actually yeah allow my cognitive part of my brain instead of like the animal part of my brain to think yeah. and consider and then make a decision that feels good and is in line with myself. I think, yeah. I mean, I find that not only with alcohol, I certainly find it, you know, lately, strangely, I think it's, it's sort of one of those things where you get um, over certain uh, habits or addictions. And so first it was alcohol. And then, you know, for me, it was really like looking at, at sort of, um, coffee giving me so much anxiety yeah. I still drink yeah. but very rarely compared to what I did before and yeah. then now I'm finding it sort of with you know food and sweets and sugar and just having these moments of mindlessly okay well forget it I'm not going to you know and how do you just insert that pause so anyway yeah. I love those I, I think that will be really helpful you know just another another tool because you never another know tool. certain things are going to oh yeah, that works for me. Or maybe you've heard it before, but then it finally clicks and it's just so powerful. Exactly. And, and yeah, that tool's really worked for me. And, and, and like what I see, I see, um, I see it's just it's intersecting. I find it just intersecting and somewhat intersecting what would have been your old pattern or old thought behavior and, and, and changing it. Um, uh, yeah. So, so I, Going back to my story, so yeah, so, so I talked to Smart, so I embraced it with a passion and and they actually asked me to come and become a Smart facilitator. So because, I mean, I was extremely committed and intense and I really immersed myself. Um, and so I became a Smart facilitator and now I've led over 100, 100 sessions in the community. So it's it's still something I deal with, you know, daily and and uh, deliver weekly sessions so it's been fantastic 
but it didn't stop there, Annie. Like I've done so much work on this. Um, as you know, I did did your courses, I did your video, I did your video intensive, then I did your first ever intensive coaching course back in May. I've done Dave Andrews 30 Day Sobriety Intensive course. I've done um, Jack Canfield Success Principles. I've done Tony Robbins. I've done uh, yeah. I did a diploma and one. The, the, the learning does not stop, and I feel like my I work on. I call it my recovery every day. So it is. It is just immersing myself every day. It's repetition. It's. I think it was friggin' hard work. <laughs> like it's not easy, and this is what I tell my clients. It's like you need to be committed to change. Um, change is not a matter of your ability. It's a matter of your motivation. How motivated you are to change. And I was so motivated, but it was, it was not a linear journey. Like I probably started this probably four years ago and I've had slip ups and I've had, you know, I've had, it's not been, I didn't have the spontaneous sobriety, like, yeah, I'm going sober and, and stay sober. I've had slip ups. Um, but most of that time I have been sober, you know, I'm on this, I call it a journey of sobriety, but I had, I have to work hard at it still every day and, and be committed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That is, that's great. And I love what you say about, you know, really continuous learning. You know, I think it's yeah. so true. We were talking yesterday, actually, um, just a few of us on my team, and we were talking about this idea because I was really curious about it. This idea, you hear it said all the time, like, if you're not growing, you're dying, right? If it's not moving yeah. forward, it's moving backwards. And I was like, is that really true? Like, I'm really curious about that. I want to I look that up. And, um, and what we sort of came to, and, and I still don't know, you know, if this is truly scientifically true or not, but what we sort of came to is that actually there's so much like, especially when you, when you talk about alcohol, there's so much momentum against you in terms of like subconscious conditioning, yeah. alcohol messaging, always coming at you, coming at you, coming at you, that if you stop your forward momentum to do your learning, to listen to the podcast, to you know, engage with new teachers, to read other books, to like just do your own meditations, whatever, then you do just naturally sort of slide back into old patterns and habits yeah. of how much is kind of coming at us all the time, just as human beings in the culture we live in. It's such a pro-alcohol saturated culture that we oh, have. Very certainly, strong. yes. Yeah, so we have to be kind of actively moving forward into this and actively going for the next thing and actively, you know, really keeping ourselves kind of plugged in and stuff. So I think that's so important. And I also think there's something to be said that um, this, is, this is just really interesting to me. And again, I don't know if this is true, but this is something one of my coaches told me is that actually humans, we have this kind of three month point where, and sometimes it can be less or sometimes it can be more. But if you think about getting a new car, right? Or getting a new home. Yeah. And for three months, it's like, whew, you're way up here. You're so happy. You're so excited. You really did it. But then it gets really baked into the new normal. So if you, if you stop your forward progression, if you stop your forward momentum in three months, your, your normal where you thought you would be, which is really good, 
actually can slip back to where you're not satisfied or you're not happy or you don't feel as good, not because anything has changed, but because as humans, our perception um, very quickly shifts, you know, our perception of as soon as we see, as soon as we, you know, climb one peak and we think this is the peak, this is where I want to be, you know, it's the, the career or the graduate degree or the car or whatever it is, as soon as we're at the top of that peak, guess what? We can see the higher thing behind it that we couldn't see before. Yeah. And so we always are like battling with this uh, internal, internal force that like literally if we're not moving forward to some degree or we're not growing, uh, we will be disillusioned after a certain period of time. So again, I don't know the science behind that, but I feel like it's such a fascinating topic with what you're talking about and just- Yeah, it's exactly true. And I, and I definitely, this is what I see with clients is that it's that three month, 90 days. And I actually have seen a good, really good graph of this is, is it starts off your, um, your commitment and your competence. Your competence is low, but your commitment is high. And and what happens is that your competence starts getting starts getting higher, and then but your commitment actually starts off really high, but then actually starts getting lower, and that's when it hits your competence. If you keep on going, just starts getting higher and higher, but your but your commitment actually comes down at that three month. You know, the research has shown that your commitment does come down at that three month period. But if you actually break through the three to six month, your competence and your commitment actually just keep on going linear in the, in the same direction so so there's just there's an exponential growth after six months if you just keep going through if you keep being committed because your competence and your commitment will then just grow so um and, and that's what i see i see the uh you know because my my signature program is my 90-day program uh similar to yours Annie, and and because that is where you can create lasting change and it's it's just after people have done that, it's they do get that dip. I agree. It's it's maintaining that motivation, um, to, and not getting complacent. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, if people, I have two more questions for you. And first of all, if people wanted to, you know, find out or learn more about you, where can they go? Um, so they can go. So I set up a. So I actually ended up setting up um, a business while I saw an op. I saw an opportunity. I saw a lot more people like me that are looking for help. Um, I've set up a business called Be Your Best Self, and it is primarily to help corporate workers and women uh, to have a more healthier relationship with with any addictions. Um, primarily, it's been alcohol, but but we ha I have also looked at, at other things. So just trying to get a healthier relationship, and that. As you said, uh, Annie, that doesn't necessarily mean going absolutely going sober, but it's it's feeling like they've got a healthier relationship where it's no longer negatively impacting their lives. So, so um, for that, they can go to my website, um, rachelhine.com, um, where they can just find all the details. But it's just been great to help others that are going through this the same situation, especially in the in the corporate sector. Um, working a lot with with people uh, with people in the corporate sector that are just struggling with the stress, um, the long hours, the juggling, the, the the running a running a household, running the kids, coping with the stress at work, and people were 
are trying to fill the void um, with with alcohol. And and we all know that that's not the problem. Um, you know, the, 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 the alcohol is often the symptom. You know, the, the addiction part is just a symptom. There's some negative emotion that's triggering that, and then there's some root cause behind the negative emotion. So it's it's looking at all of that. I, I mean, I call it the tr the tree. So I see the leaves as the as the symptoms. So you can be, you know, you could be the drinking sugar, eating too much sugar, you're gambling, you're watching porn. That's just the symptoms. The trunk is a negative emotion. So that that could be your guilt, your resentment, your anger, your your fear. That's your negative emotions. And then the roots of the tree are your childhood conditioning. So that's your you know, whether or not you've had distress in your childhood, trauma, grief, loss, that is that is the root cause that's triggering these negative emotions that's coming out as symptoms. So one of the great things I've recently done, Annie, is um, become a neuro-linguistic programmer, so um, practitioner, so you can, you can actually address the root cause too, along with the symptoms. So I can work on helping people with the symptoms, and then once they're in a good place with the symptoms, you can then get to the root cause. Because what, what I was finding is that people, you could stop the drinking, if you just address the symptoms, you can stop the drinking, but it would come out in some other symptom. So they'd stop drinking, but then they'd be smoking heavily. <laughs> or they'd stop drinking and be drinking 10 coffees a day. So it was, it, was, it was coming out as another symptom because we weren't addressing those negative emotions which were getting fueled by the, by the root cause, which is childhood conditioning. Yeah, that's so good and so important. That's awesome. Yeah. So the other question that I always like finish off with, if you could go back and talk to Rachel, who was, you know, struggling and binging and uh, really having a hard time and just tell her, you know, give her some hope, give her some encouragement. What would you say? Um, I would say, I would just say, just um, be the real you. Um, you know, we, I think we all love Brene Brown. Um, I see a similar role model of mine to, that you are, Anise, but, uh, you know, I love Brene, Brene Brown's be authentic, be vulnerable, be bold. Um, I think being the real you. And I have found since stripping away the excessive drinking, I am the real me. It's, it, it is the real, this is the real me. So, you know, being authentic, I think is key. I think understanding that beliefs, is that your beliefs are only a feeling of certainty rather than actually being certain. I think I always thought that my beliefs were true. <laughs> and now I've learned by a lot of, you know, I really always remember what you said, go back and question your beliefs by experiencing something different and then come back and tell me whether or not your belief is true. And so many times I did that, it wasn't true. Um, yeah. Because I think we think our beliefs are fixed. That's it. They're true. The, the, that's my belief. You know, my belief that alcohol gives you pleasure. I thought that that wine glass, that, that glass of wine gave me pleasure. And, you know, that was what I believed. And it's not until you go and you go and question it and you are open to a, to actually changing your belief that you that you see that you can rewrite your 
your beliefs which are yours so I think I think that took me a while to figure that one out <laughs> yeah absolutely so true though I love that oh my god that and and you know you you do a really good analogy around um you know around the drinking but you know just just um and you know I really I keep on remembering and one of the turning points in doing your courses was your um, story about the smoke alarm going off um, in the house and that really really I I never forget that that you know the smoke alarm going in the house and you still staying in the house still staying still staying in the house and then the house is on fire and you're like and you're like yeah right I finally got to leave this house <laughs> and then you go you go you go away and you're like you look at the house and it's all burnt down and go do I go back in and rebuild it or do I actually go and then this is where I'm going to live now and and that really stuck with me and I think it's a great analogy the, the burning house for in relating to drinking because it's you, you you're over here and you've got it you're rewriting your beliefs and and what you thought was to be true yeah absolutely just be open I think just be open and and nothing's you know um don't, don't let anything, a feeling be certain until you've experienced it and can actually say it's certain. Yeah, yeah, so true. That's so true. No, that's great advice for everybody. And I think my last one is just because my account, just because I'm a business school, it's just, you know, live your best life and be your best self. I always, always, how I came up with my name is that I always used to say to myself, if I was faced with a problem or a challenge, I would say to myself, what would the best version of myself do in this moment? And and I still use that a lot today because if you think about that and you ask yourself that, the best version of you is typically not going to have a drink. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the best version of you is typically going to make the right decision because yeah, the best right. version of you is living a life in accordance with your values. And so that is something I always fall back on. That's great. I love that. Such a yeah. good Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, anything else you want to share? Um, no, I mean, it, like I said, I think, I think I just really want to share is that is, I can't, I can't emphasize enough how it's not a black or white um, it's, it's not it's not black or white and it's not a linear journey and I think I think people actually and I actually say to clients is that you see it as a journey of, of recovery or journey of sobriety or journey of changing your drinking and that journey even though you might have to have a little blip we take a little wrong wrong turning you're still going in the right direction because I think it's that, it's that black or white success failure perfect not perfect which can actually be quite um detrimental to your to you changing so realizing that it's not perfectionism we're trying to achieve we're trying to just be on this journey of taking a step forward in the right direction in the right direction but knowing that we can sometimes go off track absolutely so because good. i think i think we beat ourselves up too much and it's that shame and that guilt and that anxiety that brings us back to that self-sabotage so just knowing it from my from my journey it's not been straight line so but I still feel like I'm on the, the journey of sobriety yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. That's so true. Well, that's awesome. Well, it's really been a pleasure, Rachel. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure to finally meet you um, in person. And, and like I said, I'm, um, I'm a massive raving fan of yours and your work has um, helped, inspired, motivated me. And so many of your analogies I use and remember and, 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 and use to help others. That's great. That's so cool. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, enjoy your morning and we'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks so much, Annette. Are you looking to connect with like-minded people? Sometimes maybe you feel like as someone who knows all this information from the snake in mind or the alcohol experiment that you're living in a world of muggles and people just don't speak your language. That is why I created The Exchange. The Exchange is an online community where we meet face-to-face, live video calls multiple times a week with people from all over the globe just to connect, to have somewhere you're seen and you're heard and you feel less alone and really that you can give back and get the support you need. So if this sounds great to you, check it out at thisnakedmind.com backslash exchange. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.